millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Right, okay. We are starting this week's episode of Ups and Downs very seriously. Because the last seven days, everyone has been going crazy about William Regal. And then lo and behold, we found out the information. He wants to leave AEW so he can go back to WWE and be with his son and coach him. I'm sorry, if you cannot understand that, you an absolute goober. Also, Tony Khan told us during that Ring of Honor press conference that he has been going through some crazily family times as well. Now, first and foremost, I wanna send all the health and positive thoughts to his mother who has been through a hard time. But can we all just remember that these are human beings, these are individuals, and of course you're allowed to criticize things. There's nothing wrong with that, but just dial it back a little bit. Otherwise, Hello, my name is Simon Miller, and welcome to a review show of wrestling where I just stood on my soapbox for a while. That's what happens when you go mad with power, and that's the finger of power. Let's up those doubts. So we did indeed start this week's episode of Dynamite by focusing on the fact that Maxwell Jacob Friedman had attacked William Regal last week. So we're not entirely done with it. The real key was that Brian Danielson has been by Regal's side for the entire seven days because he's a good dude. And that later on, we would hear from Willie. I was a bit like, well, that's interesting, huh? Before that, though, it was the Dynamite Diamond Battle Royal with the winner getting a shot at MJF's diamond ring. Now, I know people are going, I swear last time this was for a world title shot. Well, things changed, and given who did win this thing, makes all the sense in the world. Ricky Sark's Jungle Boy and Dustin Rhodes all got proper entrances. I don't know what happened with Jungle Boy here, but when he was coming out, he seemed totally perplexed by the fact he had pyrotechnics. He had the whole, oh, did I leave the oven on face? Ethan Page, Lee Moriarty, Orange Cassidy, Kip Sabian, Matt Hardy, The Butcher, I guess the blade was tending to the shop, Sean Dean, Dalton Castle, and Brian Cage were the other entrants too. And we focused on some feuds here, or at least some upcoming feuds, because the piece of fruit and Kip started to get into it. Because Sabian was able to throw Orange over the top rope, and he held on, and just when it looked like he was going to get back in the thing, the blade did arrive from his business, and he pulled him out onto the floor, and the rest were all like, yep, that counts. Which is why I love battle rules. The rules are so dumb, but it makes me happy in my tum tum. Rhodes soon got rid of Kip anyway, so what was the point of that? As the boys actually acted as a platform for Dalton Castle. So he got thrown out and they catch him. He gets thrown out again and they catch him. And eventually got back in the squared circle. And Brian Cage was like, yeah, I don't like any of this. And he eliminated. Jack Perry and Cage were then fighting with Jungle Boy taking out Brian, and that felt like a big deal. And throughout all of this, too, Dustin Rhodes got eliminated by the Butcher, and everybody went boo. So now 
they're not going to get any discounts. He was then forced to go straight back to work because Stark speared him out of this thing when Lee Moriarty and Jungle Boy were going at it. And if you couldn't believe it, Jungle was able to eliminate Lee just as he was about to get back in the ring. W. Morrissey of the firm turned up and went nope and threw him onto the floor. And once again, this counted. Oh, I was howling. He then, however, picked up Jack Perry and he chokeslammed him into the ring apron. And I do believe, hang on. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Wheel of Fortune. Now, don't forget, we have Brad over here. And as you can see, Brad is very close to solving this very famous catchphrase. So, Brad, over to you. What is your guess? That's right. I definitely am. Uh, I've thought about it, and I know, I know what it is. It is the hardest part of the ring is the ring post. Oh, Brad, so close. I see where you're coming from. But of course, let's reveal it. That's right. The hardest part of the ring <laughs> is the ring apron. What the f*** are you talking about, mother Brad, I mean, you need to, you need to calm down, Brad. <laughs> this is a live television show. Oh, yeah, the ring apron. How does that make any sense? You absolute cheat. You absolute liar. I'm coming over there. No, Brad! Even Pace then forgot how this whole thing's worked because he was all like, Matt Hardy announced me as the winner. I was like, dude, there's still a bunch of guys in there. When all of a sudden Sean Dean was back, he was going to get rid of Paige when Hardy saved Ethan. So maybe there's a budding friendship there, even though they hate each other. It eventually meant the captain got thrown out of there by Hardy when Matt decided he was going to do the twist on fate of Ricky Starks. But this went so badly... <laughs> He too was eliminated, meaning our last couple were Ethan Page and Ricky Starks. And of course, Ethan Page was the guy to go out. Ricky Starks pulled the rope. He hit the floor, meaning now next week, not only is it going to be MJF versus Ricky Starks for the World Championship, but that damn ring is on the line as well. And look, I always like a battle royal. Admittedly, they're always crazy and they're always quite literally over the top, but they're rarely boring. Giving it up. Instantly, MJF's music hit too, so I suppose he was just stood by the audio guy going, wait a minute, wait a minute, right, do it now, do it now. And he came to the ring and he started to insult Ricky Starks by basically saying, you just a budget rock, you mother hubbard, to the point from now on, I'm going to call you the pebble. He also said he was going to send Starks back to NWA on YouTube. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's quite the line. The internet's going to go crazy. When Rick got the microphone and decided, oh yeah, by the way, I'm a top tier talent and I'm about to show you. Because not only did he call Friedman Maxi Pad, he said he was nothing more than a fifth rate Roddy Piper. But then he just started to decimate MJF, be it because of his clothes, be it because of the way he acts, be it because of all his lame insults. And I tell you this, if you do not plan to see this today, you are making a huge mistake. Cancel some plans. I mean, he just kept going and he kept raising the stakes and raising the stakes and raising the stakes to the point I was like, well, now I'm desperate to see this match. And I presume that MJF is going to win because that's what makes sense. But if Starks did get the surprise victory, I think I'd jump up and do a dance. That's how good this was. It got even better too, because of course Maxwell then hit him right in the balls. But when he went to attack him again, Ricky Starks speared him out of his shoes. And I mean this literally, you can see it on the internet. And Maxwell Jacob Friedman's boots went flying off into the abyss. It meant the Starks finished all this by holding the championship up in the air. And honestly, just a round of applause for this guy. Now, there was some teasing here beforehand as Maxwell turned his attentions to Brian Danielson. So I do believe that's going to be our 2023 feud. But if we take this in the context it was delivered, we got no choice. It doesn't just get an up, it gets a golden up. 
Ricky Starks has officially arrived. John Moxley was then backstage and said, this is all elite wrestling and not all elite talking. I was a bit like, John, John, nobody cuts more promos than you. You love to chat. He also made sure to say the Blackpool Combat Club are about to go on an absolute tear. He'll be on Rampage and we're doing all this stuff in Final Battle and we shall eventually end the feud between the BCC and the Jericho Appreciation Society. Also, we later found out after Mox had laid down a chance for Rampage that he is going to be taking on Takeshita. That's all I need in my life. It is getting it up. And then in the crowd... <laughs> Well, because there was a sign that said, sign Simon Miller and give him Miro. Now, I went through many emotions during this. The first was, well, isn't that nice? Isn't that a lovely thing to do? It was like a dream come true. And then, obviously, the fear, because I was like, (laughs) I don't want to face Miro. There's also another sign later on that was asking for an up, so I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being lovely people. Thank you for making me feel warm and fuzzy in my tum-tum. This will never get old, and it still blows my brain. And as you have asked... You are getting it up. Samoa Joe then killed Darby Allen. I ain't kidding. I mean, everyone does kill Darby Allen, but this one's for the TNT title, and I suppose it absolutely rocked. Because the way it was structured is that Samoa Joe just beat on him and beat on him and beat on him before Darby Allen took a Phoenix down and kind of started to fight back towards the end. And as always, he makes you believe. I mean, straight away he went for one of his dives, but Samoa Joe did his note move when he just walks out the way. And then he took Darby and he was just slamming him into Barry Barricade over and over again as if he thought, oh, there's money in his brains and I want to get to it. He then did the same into the side of the ring, which was horrific, which is when he slammed him into the concrete floor, which means in the back, Darby Allen had gone, I've got a spot. Why don't you throw me into something that is really, really hard? I mean, it's not as hard as the ring apron, but still. We then did the same thing with Rita the ring post to the point the doctor had to check on Darby Allen, And I was like, yeah, we should probably stop the thing. Then I realized what came out of my mouth. I hate that finish. I think it's ridiculous. The whole point of wrestling is to try and take out your opponent. However, after Joe had somehow caught Darby after another dive, Alan wiggled out of this. He pushed Samoa Joe into Simba the Steel Steps and then went to the top rope and hit him with this crazy coffin drop to the outside. And all of a sudden, he was rocking and rolling. He followed up with the over-the-top stunner and the code red, but of course Samoa Joe kicked out because everybody does, but it was a great near fall. When he charged at Samoa in the corner... He got urinagied. I mean, that killed him. Although he didn't. I've lied to you massively there because all of a sudden, Darby was able to go, ah, I'm going to go for the coffin drop. But it sucked to be him. He jumped straight into the rear naked choke and he passed out and the referee had to call him. Amazingly, we weren't done too because Alan basically got to his feet like, oh yeah, is that all you've got? Which was really dumb. So Samoa Joe grabbed him and gave him the muscle buster onto the skateboard. And honestly, you've got to go see that. It looked disgusting. He then tried to choke him out, which is when Wardlow finally made the save. And I was like, where have you been? Why haven't you been out here a long time ago? But I don't care about any of that. I'm so excited to see Wardlow versus Samoa Joe. And this was a fantastic TNT title match. And I think may have just rehabbed that belt just a little bit. We should make sure we do these all the time. Getting it up. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. We then solidified the fact that Kip Stadium and Orange Cassidy are going to have a match eventually because a piece of fruit was like, listen, man, if you wanted a match, all you've got to do is ask. And I was like, that's true, Kip. He's done it a lot. Sadly, Sabian got hurt during the Battle Royal, so he said they will fight, but on his terms, which means before then, he has to go find an opponent for Orange Cassidy that he shall take on on Rampage. We then got a reminder that Ring of Honor final battle is this Saturday and we are going to get Claudio Castagnoli taking on Chris Jericho for the Ring of Honor world title when it was time for Claudio Castagnoli and Wheeler Utah taking on Daniel Garcia and Jake Hagar. And man, did I love this. And why? Because at the start, Jake Hagar took his purple hat and he gave it to Claudio. I'm like, look, that is a good purple hat. That's a wonderful purple hat. I think you should put it on your bald head. And while Castagnoli pretended he was going to do this, eventually he took it and he booted it off into the crowd like he did with that beach ball years ago. I thought it was great. So that hat is officially wrestler of the year and Hagar was so mad he started to beat up Wheeler Utah before Claudio got in there and helped out. And then we did indeed get to Cesaro versus Jack Swagger, or that's what it would have been called back in the day. And of course, their feud is over headwear. Wheels and Garcia soon took over with Utah hitting an Olympic slam onto Dan before he hit a dive because it's 2022 wrestling when he got back in the ring and finished this all off with a superplex. And they actually said out loud, oh, this is really fun. He also followed up with a German suplex, Das is good, when he was able to get the tag to Claudio. And you know what happens when Castagnoli gets one of these. He goes crazy. He really did too because few are better at this and he hit so many damn uppercuts which was going to tie into the finish. And yes, at one point he slipped on the rope but we talk about this all the time. Wrestling is really dangerous and if you want to figure out how, get in the ring and try it yourself. You're going to be slipping all over the place. The giant swing was then broken up by Garcia and that confused me because I was like, well that guy loves sports entertainment when all of a sudden Wheeler was involved again with a frog splash. This was just boom, 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 boom. I want you in my room. What? Castagnoli then got out of the ankle lock and hit the big swing onto Jake, which was quite the sight. 
which of course is when we got shenanigans and distractions, because of course we did. Because Sammy Cavaro just stopped Claudio springboarding and the referee didn't care about this at all. But I tell you who did, John Moxley, who marched over there, was like, right, I'm gonna sort this out. This helped too, because it confused everybody when Claudio got up and he just whammed Hagar with this massive uppercut. Jake fell down and he got pinned from the one, two, three. Now I do admit this came out of nowhere, but we need more finishes like this. It was different and Claudio hit him so hard. I was like, yeah, I'm not surprised he went down giving it up. This is what we did hear from William Regal, although not how I was expecting, because the BCC got in the ring and Tony Schiavone was like, oh, look, I chatted to Regal a couple of weeks ago and here's the footage. William had done this too in case something bad had happened to him and he basically said this. Everything he had done was to cause like a chain reaction because now that MGF is the world champion, everybody is going to have eyes on him. So it's the final lesson in his journey. And when it comes to Danielson, Moxley and Wheeler, Utah, they don't need him anymore. The time has come for them to teach wheels to become the greatest wrestler ever. And look what he just did. He was always one step ahead. He always had eyes in the back of his head. And that's what they need to do too. He then said he would be Blackpool Combat Club for life before he walked off. I don't know why. Maybe I'm just one big fuddy-duddy. I actually thought this was quite emotional. We then chatted to Moxie after this, who was a bit sceptical for obvious reasons. This is when he teased his Rampage match, which was going to be against Takeshita. And look, I do admit the explanation is a little bit funny, but execution is so important when it comes to wrestling. William Regal delivered this so well. Well, like I've already told you, it hit me. Also, let's not pretend that wrestling doesn't have a habit of sometimes telling us nothing, just going, you figure it out for yourself. So I was glad I got a little nugget of cheese. Again, I actually thought it worked to the point I'm giving it an up. And again, I refuse to hear bad words against Regal. So if you do want to do that, go to a different comic section, whatever that means. He is a damn hero. I will fight anybody who says otherwise. Not true. I'll just ignore you. You are allowed your opinion. The House of Black then had this really cool video too as they challenged a team for next week on Dynamite. And they just work, don't they? Especially with Julia Hart. They look so damn badass. I'm happy that they're back. We then had this sit down with Jamie Hayter as well. And it was kind of the same as Soraya's that she did on Rampage. She was just talking about the fact that she's very pleased that she finally gets to speak. And she was setting up her next challenger. Because of course, Sheeda and the Bunny are fighting on Rampage. And the winner of that will take on Jamie. So what should happen is that Sheeda should be victorious. And we should do Sheeda versus Jamie Hayter. Because I tell you, they will smack lumps out of each other. Damn good. We carried on this theme too, as next it was Jade Cargill and the Baddies taking on Kira Hogan, Madison Rain, and Sky Blue. Once again, this dynamite just had momentum. It was fine. Hogan made sure to get hers on Layla Gray and Red Velvet, because of course they had screwed her over. At one point, Red Velvet took Sky Blue and kind of trapped her in the ring skirt. It's like, what are you doing, Red? What if she gets trapped there forever? the hell are we going to explain that? The absolute best bit though is that Hogan was rocking and rolling here and proving to Jade Cargill and her team they've made a terrible mistake when she tagged in Madison Rain, who was like, oh, here I go. I'm ready. And she was going to hit this big knee. <laughs> Cargill just went, no, it ain't happening. She turned it into the Jaded and she beat her for the one, two, three. And I bet Kira felt pretty silly. You should have carried on doing it yourself. And I will admit the TBS title probably does need a little bit of direction. However, Kira Hogan didn't get pinned, so we should do this match. So again, I thought this did exactly what it needed to do. 
I had a good time. I had fun giving it up. Soraya was chatting next and she barely got any words out before Britt Baker interrupted. And the long and the short of it is that soon on Dynamite, we are going to get Baker and Jamie Hayter taking on Soraya and a partner of her choosing. I, mean, I suppose it could be Tony Storm and you could call them Tony Rhea. I mean, that is the worst thing I've ever said. I fire myself. Which did indeed bring us to our main event, the acclaimed versus FTR. And everybody assumed the seal position because they are getting a massive round of applause. This was excellent. I read some stupid nonsense by some crazy people on Twitter this week who said, oh, Max Caster and Anthony Bowens aren't capable of keeping up with the FTR. I'm like, have you watched the last half of 2022? They have been keeping up and surpassing everyone. And when it does come to FTR, I tell you this. They are not only one of the best tag teams right now, but they're probably one of the best tag teams ever. It started quick with tag, tag, tag before we started getting into the chops. And because every other team was pissed off with the other one, they started to have a big brawl. Oh, I suppose the tag klaxon went off. <laughs> we then got some double sharpshooters onto FTR, as I suppose the Acclaim showed them how to do it, and then they went and scissored daddy ass. But I think this really pissed off Cash and Dax, because all of a sudden they had their mean faces on. Because not only did they fight their way back into this, they grabbed Max Caster, and they gave him a slingshot basically into the bottom of the ring. And this sent me crazy wazy, because I was like, hang on a second, wouldn't that be harder than the ring apron? And I was like, no, don't be so silly, you goose. Max was basically dead until he hit this awesome crossbody, which is when we saw Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett Satnam Singh watching this from the back. And then he got the hot tag to Anthony Bowens. And of course, this guy ran wild. He just hit everything, including a version of what I think was the Rough Rider. But of course, Dax Harwood doesn't appreciate this. So he grabbed him and started giving him German suplex after German suplex after German suplex. Has du Geschwister. He then tried for the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, the surprise roll-up, and even grabbed the tights. So something was going on there. And Anthony decided he was going to try and break some necks. He did a neck breaker. When Cash Wheeler got in the ring and FDR did this spike par driver, and this is what I was doing with my head, I couldn't believe it. Caster then took out Wheeler with a spear, which sounds like they went on some kind of romantic date when Anthony Bowens was trying for the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment. And then Caster got back in the ring and he was giving people cutters. This was so ridiculous, especially because Harwood then grabbed the acclaimed and he just threw him into the other one. They were probably a bit confused. The absolute highlight of the thing came straight after this, though, because FTR was able to hit the big rip onto Max Caster. And at the very last second, Bowens broke it up. And I tell you, you could do this 147 times, which is a very strange number to throw out there, and you couldn't do it better. Damn perfect. It was then time to go for all the finishers, because, of course, this match had been going on for a while, so we had stored them up with our energy bars. And all of a sudden, Cash was just going crazy with these lariats. Although he did get carried away and he went for this powerbomb thing. But when Caster landed, he realized, wait a minute, if I move my body here, I can hit the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment. It was like this cradle and he got the one, two, three. Now that may sound a little bit lame, but when you watch it in motion, it once again is so damn good. And I got up and I was just like, that's it. That's how you use the surprise roll up. They got even more nuts after this because the gun club magically appeared on the big screen and they were basically standing in from the Briscoes because they said, oh, by the way, at the pay-per-view on Saturday, it's now FTR versus the Briscoes in a double dog collar match. And if you have seen the matches those guys have had before, they are unreal. And now we're adding a dog collar 
I mean, that sentence sounds absolutely ridiculous, but trust me, it will rock. So I thought about it a lot, especially given what we did earlier, but it only took me about eight seconds. I don't care. I'm a renegade. I'm off the rails. This was so good and not only elevated the FTR, the FTR, not only elevated FTR, but elevated the acclaimed, I'm not just giving it an up, I'm giving it a golden up. It was a fantastic tag team match and I loved it. Which did indeed bring us to the end of another episode of Dynamite and this one was pure fire. Someone's going to be like, I'm and you're so biased. Oh, shut up. Go stick it up, you rectum. <laughs> or something like that. This was a good wrestling show and I had a good time and it's getting it up. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 